Honey Hush is a podcast by a Southern businesswoman who knows a thing or two about using honey to attract the bees. Every week, Elizabeth will discuss up-and-coming and established leaders alike how to win influence with one simple strategy, kindness. Whether you're a successful entrepreneur or still in the dream phase, Honey Hush will teach you that the sweeter the honey, the more bees you'll attract. Community is always more fun than competition. Don't you love it sometimes when one thing leads to making room for the next really good thing? That's kind of what happened last Friday. I had made an appointment with Beth Morgan. She is a photographer in Jackson, Mississippi, and she does branding photography. She does other things too, and you'll learn more about that here in just a second. But I made an appointment with her because I needed somebody to take like headshots and branding shots and just help me put an umbrella branding-wise and photography-wise over the three different businesses that I have going on with my Enneagram coaching, this podcast, and a book that I'll have published here pretty soon. And so nobody better came to mind than Beth because she does this for some really big name people that I just really admire her work, watching everything grow. And so I just decided, you know, after we got finished taking the, the photography, session, I was like, do you have 30 more minutes just, just to sit with me and let me pick your brain? And she was so gracious. Beth and I, we've known each other since college, but getting it to sit down with her in this intimate way and just let her kind of tell her story was so beautiful. So I hope you enjoy getting to know my friend, Beth. All right, guys, I'm sitting here in this super cool, eclectic studio space at Thimble Press in Jackson, Mississippi, downtown. It is Kristen Lay's location, but I am with the most amazing photography branding person ever. If you hear any of these sounds, it's because we're in the studio. I mean, Henry's here, Willow's here, that's the puppies, but I am here with Beth Morgan. And we have just had the most amazing branding session together where like she makes it easy. She makes it fun. She takes all of that like nervous energy out of the room. She puts really cool music on. She gets on the floor with you, gives you ideas. And the best part for me is that she even told me what to wear. (laughs) I made it so easy for me. So I'm just going to introduce Beth to you guys and just kind of let her tell you a little about herself. But she lives in Madison. She's originally from the Delta, just like my husband. She's a photographer and artist, adoption and foster care advocate, and empowerment junkie like nobody else. And like I mentioned Kristen because some of her dreams are coming true through some of Kristen's dreams coming true because Thimble Press was just featured with Staples, y'all, a national brand. And so all of the branding and, and photography that you see with Thimble Press, that's Beth's photography, you guys. So definitely support Thimble Press at Staples. So Beth, thank you so much for, I mean, even after we did the photo shoot and everything, you're still giving me some time to let me introduce people to Aww, you. Thank you. I, I'm blessed to be here. I'm so excited to get to be on your podcast. Awesome. So we knew of each other in college. And in fact, we were trying to like roll it back. Like who exactly did we know? When did we know each other? And you were there longer than me, (laughs) which I thought was so funny that you mentioned that. But um, even though we went to the same university and we had some of the same friends with the same organization, it was the BSU through MSU. When did you actually come to Mississippi State? You mentioned being a transfer student. I transferred to Mississippi State in 2000. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, So I had been um, at a Christian college in Jackson, Tennessee before that. Yeah. So what degree were you pursuing at that time? Did you change your degree or like what did you get? (laughs) 
Oh, did I change my degree? <laughs> um, I wanted to do all the things creative, and I really wish that my advisor has sat like sat me down and said. Okay, this is too much. Because at one point I was a triple major. In, really? Yes. Like creative writing, photography, and sculpture. Oh wow! Like, and you just I just wanted to do all the things. I did, and I wasn't doing anything well, obviously, because one of those majors requires immense amount of time. And so, anyway, by the time I got to state, I was like, I need you to get me out of here as mm. fast as possible. I don't even care what my degree is. Mm-hmm. Here's all the classes I've taken. What can we do? So I ended up getting a degree. I got a Bachelor of Science in Interdisciplinary Studies, Mm -hmm. which my brother, who's a doctor, and my sister-in-law, who is a worship pastor, we all three have the same degree. Yeah, because it's just where you throw a whole bunch of stuff in a basket and call it done. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to get out of school and move on with my life. And that's a lot of our stories, especially entrepreneurs. Like, at 18 years old, how in the world are you supposed to know what you want to do for the rest of your life? I don't know. I I mean, I'm super jealous of people who have it together at 18 and like make a decision and stick and know, with it and stick with it and know that that's what they want to do. That just wasn't the case for me. I think I was me just either. figuring out my life and it took me, it just took me a little bit longer than mm-hmm. some people. Yeah. So you didn't even end up getting the degree in photography, but you probably learned a ton from classes or was, are you more self-taught? So no, I learned a lot from classes and then When I was at Mississippi State, the reason I didn't pursue my art degree was because I was basically going to have to start all over, and I did not have time for that, so I changed my degree, but I worked for the photographer, the Mississippi State photographer. Was it Frank? It was Frank. Yes, that's who No, Fred, Fred. Fred, yes, Fred. Falk. Fred, mm-hmm. Yes, he did my um my wedding. Yes, he. Yes. I loved him. I learned so much from him. I had access to the nicest darkroom on campus, yes, and I got yes. to work with them on. I think it was they did a book for the 125th anniversary yeah. of Mississippi State, and I you get to work on that. I did. So that's cool. I, and what a cool person to work with. Too. Oh, he's a, like was. I mean, obviously yeah, he's passed. He's but, passed away. He yeah. passed away shortly after I graduated. Yeah. Um, but he was an amazing man, and I'm so thankful for him. I learned a lot from him. Yeah. Well, one of the things I love about you is that your confidence is so contagious. And I don't even know if you consider yourself a confident person or a contagious person, but, like, ever since I knew you in college, like, you were always confident, and it was contagious to me. And I think that that's what got my attention most in your early days of photography because I wanted – Somebody with your confidence helping me feel confident in a very vulnerable situation, which is a camera pointed at me. And so, like, I remember coming down to Jackson. I mean, I could have gone to somebody local in town, but I was like, I need you to take my family's Christmas card photos, please. So I came to you because of the confidence that I think you have confidence in your work. You're a confident person in yourself. And so... At what point were you like, I'm going to make this a career? Like, this is how I'm going to put food on the table. This isn't a hobby. Because, you know, Kristen and I and you, like, we were all talking about earlier, like, monetizing our hobbies and if that's a good idea. But, I mean, why not make money doing what you love? Yeah, I think I think that was a hard decision for me to come to. Um, when I graduated college, I worked for a missions organization for four years. Mm-hmm. And um, God just kind of pushed me out of that. Like, I didn't understand why he was closing doors for me to do that. And now I know it was because he had other plans Mm -hmm. for me. And I see the world differently. It's just how God made me. And I think when I was younger, living in the Delta, in a small town, I always felt weird sometimes. I marched to the beat of my own drum. 
and now I know that the, there's a reason for that, that God made me that way so I can help other people feel comfortable. Um, and God has just gifted me a gift and I can't take credit for it. It's how he made me, but I just am able to disarm people and allow them to be comfortable. And I think a lot of that is because I'm like, nothing embarrasses me. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of put it all out there. I do think it's interesting that you think I'm confident because I am very hard on myself, Mm. um, to the point of like verbal abuse to myself. I think just that's something that I'm working really, really hard to change in my, in my own headspace because, and I think all women to Mm -hmm. some degree are like that. And I don't, I don't want to be telling myself those things. Mm -hmm. So I've been really, Kristen actually challenged me to, um, start doing affirmation cards. Yeah, because you were talking about that earlier, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and I I've been doing them, and it really has. Where'd you get those cards from? Like, is it something specific or no? I you, just like you wrote your own. I wrote my own affirmation oh, card. So just kind of thinking about the goals that I had for myself, emotionally, spiritually, professionally, um, with my family, and just like wrote all of them down and like replacing could, the negative verbal with positive because yeah. you're saying things out loud to yourself exactly yeah. and I stare myself in the mirror and if you look away you got to start over yeah that's and powerful. I'll say it three times and it it ranges from I am a kind wife or mm. I listen well in conflict mm. to um I'm a money magnet Mm -hmm. for my business. And so it's, it's varying degrees in all the areas of my life that I want to grow. And I can see how it has, it's changing me. And I encourage anybody who's listening to this. um, They say that you become like the five people that you're around most. And I'm so thankful for the amazing women who are in my life. Kristen is one of them. And she's always challenging me to, think differently and I don't I wouldn't be doing these affirmation cards if she had not like boldly challenged me at a really yeah held me accountable challenged me at a really low point in my life to change and to that that I can change the way that my brain thinks Mm -hmm. so that kind of leads into what I'm curious about because I don't know little girl Beth so (laughs) tell me about little girl Beth growing up in the delta and what led you to what I remember being BMO photo. Do you remember being BMO photo? Oh, I remember all BMO photo. <laughs> and so now you're Beth Morgan photography. So, I mean, what was little girl Beth? Like, what was she dreaming about? What was she thinking to now having this elegant, you even do boudoir. How do you say the word? Boudoir. 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 It's a French word. You know, y'all look that up, you know. Um, people, I mean, you're doing, you're not just doing little headshots. I mean, you're doing big stuff. So how did little girl Beth grow up knowing that there was a really awesome, elegant, creative space for her? Mm. I think little girl Beth was just a free spirit who wanted to twirl in a field of flowers and look at the clouds and see what shapes were in the clouds. And again, I think that the Lord made me that way. Like I always saw the world differently than the people around me and just sitting and watching people and how they interact. And I was always comfortable with people my own age, or I could carry on in a conversation with adults at the same time, even when I was younger and just felt comfortable with people. I think ultimately 
maybe what comes across as confidence is a love for people and a love for making them feel comfortable and making them feel good about themselves. I think Mm -hmm. that was kind of always how I was. And I remember one Christmas, I was probably in the seventh grade, maybe I got a point and shoot camera and this was back in the day where we shot film. Yes. And I took my little probably $35 camera and would make my friends dress up. Oh, and yes. I would style them and take pictures of okay. them. And then we would go to the one-hour photo and get them processed. See how it worked out. And then, like, put them all on the floor. And they were terrible. But well, there was no editing back then. And exactly. there was no, I mean. And it was, it was the start. Couldn't take the red eye out of the person. It's like, it was there. <laughs> That's right. You know? That's right. Um. But I think that that was the start of my journey and my love of photography. And I actually started off college as a psychology major. I was going to go to seminary and do Christian counseling. And I'm so glad you didn't do that. I mean, we need that. I'm not, but, I'm, but I'm so glad like that would have been such a stifling. You would have been amazing. I mean, no doubt. But I think it would have stifled something that, you, like you said, the world needed the real you. Mm-hmm. Not the you that you may have felt was the right thing to do. Yeah. Because that sounds so noble, right? I'm going to go yeah. to seminary and love Jesus. And like that, and that's great. But that's not who God made that's you to be. That's not who God made me to be. And yeah. I remember, I think, I think it was like towards the end of my first semester, I called my parents and I was like, I don't want to do, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I think I want to do photography. And they were like, what you going to oh, do with that? They were like, oh no, Beth is changing her mind again. She like find something that she likes for five minutes and then she's not going to like it anymore. But they were super supportive. My dad found a, like, I don't, I'm sure it wasn't expensive, but it was an old film camera and we didn't need anything fancy for my classes. It did the job. And, um, and that was it. Like I was, that was love. Yeah. I'll never forget the first time I saw, a picture develop in the dark room in front of my eyes. Like it was and that's the most just magical such a, experience. That's such a lesson to parents because how hard is that sometimes to trust our children with, I don't that's not a soft skill, but it's not like a, I want to be a dentist. I want to be a lawyer. I want to, that's like, okay, sister. So you want to take pictures. That's great. How are you going to sell them? Right. <laughs> how are you going to pay your bills? You yes. know, and just to parents, I think that's such a testament to say, if your children find what they love, they'll figure out how to make money with it. Yeah. And I, I definitely always was an entrepreneur. I guess kind of back to the your the little girl Beth. I, I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. I made bows mm-hmm. when I was like a kid and yeah. would sell them yeah. to people. I made homemade cinnamon rolls where like literally rose the dough like mm-hmm. yeast homemade cut them. I mean the whole thing. My dad worked at the hospital and he would take them to the hospital yeah, and sell them for me. Yeah, so I always there definitely had an entrepreneurial spirit and then as I got older I've pretty much had every kind of job that you can imagine and I felt so validated when I read um girl boss mm-hmm. when she talked about all the different jobs that she had and just realizing sometimes people are better working for themselves yeah. and it's not because I didn't enjoy those jobs or anything but I think I was made to be an entrepreneur yeah you don't mind working at midnight yes but that means you might need to sleep until nine. Right. But you get the job done with excellence being underneath somebody else's 
umbrella of rules yes. would stifle you. I, and I don't like un- other people's rules. <laughs> I just prefer to kind of do my own thing. Like, I'm going to get it done. Just let me get it done in my time, okay? Like, and we're going to talk about this Enneagram thing because I'm sure, like, anybody that knows I'm going to talk about Enneagram, you know, like, they're probably throwing it all over the place. They're like, oh, she's a four. She's creative. No, she she skips around. She's a seven. Whoops, she doesn't like rules, but she's an eight. Like, we're going to get to that, y'all. We're going to get to that. But first, I do want to cover just something that um, is not so fun to talk about, really, but it is such a huge part of your story and I think it's just begun I mean I think it's um it's clearly not over but um it involves your infertility journey Mm -hmm. and your you're feeling that call to adopt and then however comfortable you are just you know share a little bit about that like how it shaped you as a woman and I really want to know like where are you seeing God in the midst of this because it's it's not a good you're not in the promise yet like you still feel like you're hearing the promise but you don't have the deliverance of it yet Mm -hmm. and I just want to know, like, where are you seeing God in it? Um, if I'm being honest, it's been really rough. Mm-hmm. And so right now, um, I'm really trying to work through some feelings of just being betrayed by God. Mm-hmm. Um, a little backstory. Um, we have been married for eight years and we were older when we got married. Um, the first few years of our marriage were really, really rough. So we weren't even trying at that time. And then we started trying with no luck. And so we were like, maybe we need to adopt. And the Lord just kind of dropped something in our lap. Mm-hmm. A girl who was a drug addict um, in California had a family member here. And so we were like told that she was coming. We were going to adopt the baby as a little boy. And then all of that fell through. And so that was was hard. One of our first kind of like real big slaps in the face. Um, and I remember towards the end of it, I was praying and the Lord asked me, it was in the afternoon, like late afternoon. And he was like, do you want this baby or do you want my glory more? Mm, that's hard. And I got real pissed. Yeah. And I was just like, how can I want you, both. I like, mean, yeah. Like, how can you ask me this, God? I, yeah. I want both. Like, I want my arms full with a child mm. and I want you to get glory from this. Because at that point we had shared so much and yeah. so many people were just invested, praying and rejoicing. Yeah. Yes. Invested in our journey. And, um, and then it fell through and, and I will say, I don't think you knee-jerked. I don't think you had any reason to not think it wasn't going to work out. All roads led to this was happening. It yeah. wasn't like you got overexcited too soon. Yeah. This was literally rug got pulled out. Yeah. The rug mm-hmm. did get pulled out. And mm-hmm. and so I've really wrestled with the Lord, like, the whole rest of the day. I didn't sleep well that night. And the next morning, I woke up and just with tears in my eyes, was just like... Lord, I surrender this, and I want your glory more. Mm -hmm. And then, like, shortly after that, we just found out it wasn't going to happen. And so that was really, really hard. And we spent some time recovering from that. And then we felt the Lord leading us to foster care, which was super scary. And But we just were like, okay, Lord, we'll do, like, if this is what you want us to do, we'll do this. So we got through the home study. We did all of that. We... I think we got approved in October maybe and they 
they've had like a lot of rule changes within CPS yeah. lately and we we didn't get any calls. It was like crickets, like zero calls mm-hmm. about any children. And I went to South Africa in January. Um had a beautiful moment in South Africa. We went to a worship service. Um, with a, at a South African church, um, not a tribal church. These were like white South African people. But um, the second I entered the room where the prayer meeting was, I started weeping. Mm. And I'd really been struggling at that point, like feeling forgotten by God. Um, and, okay, I'm sorry, I'm jumping around. Now I'm following you. Back up the train a little bit. I have had two women who do not know each other and did not know anything about these prophetic visions have the exact Oh yes, this is an important part. The yeah. exact same prophetic vision um probably 7 or 8 years apart and it was um me my husband in the backyard and that both of them described it as like a really lush beautiful backyard that was just full of life mm-hmm. and a little girl with long curly hair playing um, in the yard. And when the adoption fell through, I'd gone to a Bible study. And that was when uh, the second person had the same vision Mm -hmm. of that. But she didn't really elaborate on the child. And the next time we met was after we knew the adoption wasn't happening. And Mm -hmm. I looked at her and I said, it wasn't a little boy in that vision was it she's like no it was a little girl with long curly hair wow and at that point like I got chills all yeah, over my body too, yeah. I was like oh that was the exact same vision that this woman had seven years ago so that had happened so I felt like God had given me a promise of of motherhood of being a mother of what was to come but I wasn't seeing the fulfillment of that mm-hmm. and I was 40 42 at the time and so I'm like Lord like time is running out. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on. So I went to Africa. We're back to Africa. Went in, couldn't stop crying. Like just the the Holy Spirit was just there. Absolutely. And um, I ended up recommitting recommitting my life to the Lord that night. Not that you know. You hadn't wandered necessarily, no, but you, your faith is hurt. Yeah, and there was just I think I just needed to refocus on who God was, who created, who he created me to be and making him a priority and not me Mm -hmm. the priority. And so that night in prayer, one of the women was like, I want to pray over you because she just saw me weeping. So all the women in the room gathered around me. They didn't know who I was. They didn't know my story. Every woman laid their hand on my womb and prayed over me. Wow. And that was so powerful to me. And then another man in the group had a prophetic word that came. And he was like, this is for one of the women who is from America. And the Lord wants you to know that he has given you a promise. And he has not forgotten that promise. And that when you begin to doubt, to look back at his faithfulness and remember that he is faithful and he will honor his promise to you. Mm. So when I got back home from South Africa, we, we got a call um, and there was a little boy who needed a foster home and he was eligible for adoption. So um, he was five and my husband and I got off the phone and prayed about it. And um, 
just felt that the Lord was leading us to this little boy. So we said yes to him. Um, saying yes to him meant that we couldn't have any other younger children in our home until... Because of his profile. Yeah. And so we said yes to him. And it was it was really amazing and beautiful how quickly we all loved each other mm-hmm. and just you impacted his life yeah you definitely did. just going even like going to the doctor with him and them saying oh he's not your child he looks like y'all mm-hmm. and so we just were head over heels and um some stuff happened as it does in a broken system and um there were at the end every day we had people over at our house just praying over us, praying over him, praying over the situation and what was going to happen. And, um, we had, um, one of our state high state government officials stepped in on our behalf and it was so beautiful. And we felt like the Lord was opening up a door for us to keep him. But one of the days that we had people over praying the Lord again, like I felt like the whole time God was pointing me towards um, the story of Isaac when, Mm -hmm. or Abraham, when Abraham put Isaac on the altar Mm -hmm. and the Lord was again asking me to put this child on an altar and trust him with them. And, you know, in front of the friends that were there, like literally on my face before him weeping, wanting to keep him, but wanting wanting to to honor the Lord. Yes. And just saying, Lord, he's yours. Mm. not mine and you know whatever happens like he's your child and it ended up that he was not our child yeah so that was a huge a huge devastating loss um and people can say I mean you only had him for like three and a half Uh -uh, weeks you instantly fall in love yeah like what's the big deal it was just (sighs) three and a half weeks and I would dare someone to say that to a mother who lost a baby after three and a half weeks. Exactly. It's the same love. Motherhood. Motherhood is motherhood. Your mother heart is your mother heart and it matters and there's value there. And so it was very much traumatic. Mm -hmm. Um, And then COVID hit. And so it was just. (laughs) What a way to enter. Yeah. It was just like one thing after the next, after the next. And then. Um, we had to move in with my mom because of COVID mm-hmm. and just the impact that it had on our finances. Absolutely. <laughs> then nobody wants you coming over taking pictures. <laughs> like that wasn't really happening. Like I'm sorry, <laughs> you cannot come in our house. Right. We don't want to see you. Right. So we moved in with my mom. My husband lost his mom. Mm. Um, and then we lost some pets, and it was just like a year of loss. So I, you know, we're just what, four or five months in, four months into the new year. And I think I'm still a little bit reeling. We're Mm -hmm. about a year out of losing, Mm -hmm. um, the foster child. And there's just a lot of grief and grief is really weird. And it shows up at weird times and just kind of wraps its blanket around you when you don't want it to. Yeah. Engulfs you. Yeah. And you just have to, well, you have to feel it. You have to feel your way through it. And so we've been doing a lot of that. So, all that to say, I am at a weird place right now where I think I am stepping into more hope, but there is a very big part of me, I think, that feels betrayed by the Lord, and 
the question I keep asking is, God, when are you going to redeem our story? Mm. When When is the redemption going to come? And, you know, I wish it would have come two years ago sure. or five years ago, you know, and that's not the story he's writing. And I don't, I don't know. Like, I look at my husband all the time and I'm like, I don't know what God is doing. Because, you know, he's an awesome dad. You're an awesome mom. Like, the, yeah. the family situation, like, that's, we have everything's so provided. So much to give. And it's just, like, I don't know what God is doing. I right. have no idea. I wish I knew. I think the day will come when we'll understand. But we don't today. And it's hard because I know who God is. Like, I know all the truths of who he is. But right now, in my humanity, in my brokenness and hurt, I feel like a toddler before the Lord having a tantrum. Yes. And yes. just like, what are you doing? Stomping your feet. Yes. Absolutely. Like, I don't understand. This doesn't Give make sense. Give it to me now. This, yes. yes. And for whatever reason, he's like, nope, it's not time yet. I know better. And I'm about to turn 44 uh, next week and we still don't have a baby. Mm-hmm. And so there's just a lot of questions. So this is not an infertility story with a happy ending yet. No, right. Um, we're in it and in the middle of it and it sucks. And I think if you are struggling with infertility, you're not alone. And I would encourage anyone who's listening, who is, is on a journey towards motherhood where it looks like it's not going to happen or it's not possible. Don't try to do it alone. Like find someone that you can talk to outside of your spouse. Yes. Talk to your spouse, but they're in it too. Yeah. Like there are other women who are going through the same Mm. things and there is powerful healing that can happen when you do life with people. Mm -hmm. And my other friend, Bailey, um, she is actually, she wrote a book mm. about her infertility journey What's it and, called? um, let's see, motherhood and other, and other things I'm bad. No, giving birth and other things I'm bad at. Oh, that's a good title. Um, giving birth and other things I'm yeah, bad at. And her name is Bailey Henry. Oh goodness. So I was doing her headshots for the book and we were talking and I was just like, oh, I'm just so sick, blah, you know, just kind of complaining about where I am. And she looked at me and she's like, man, though, Beth, there really is just something beautiful about being in the pit with the Lord where he can minister to you in a way that he couldn't if you were not in the pit. I agree. And then she That'll was preach. like, she said, you know, I'm at a place now where I'm finally okay with this. And it was such a beautiful thing to see the peace on her face and cuz it was real. Yeah. What manufactured or forced. Yes. And and knowing like okay, I'm going to get to that place. I'm not there today and that's okay. Right. But I am going to get there. Mm-hmm. So, well, as I'm sitting here thinking about like how good God is in the fact of like so you are an Enneagram seven. We're just going to say that. So everybody knows. <laughs> and the change agent part of being an Enneagram seven serves you well in this. Like, Oh, we're going to adopt. Okay. No, we're going to foster. No. Okay. It's okay. Now we're going to like, there is some sort of like okayness in that bounce around. Yes. Whereas for like maybe a five, that would not be okay for a one. Not so okay. Right. And so there is goodness in that. Not that you're like, yay, something's changing again. Um, but I love what you were talking about. Cause I feel like as an eight, Enneagram 8, that betrayal, like that is a real, 
emotion, even though it's not true. The Lord does not betray us. It's yes. not, but my feeling is real. Therefore, it's true in my head. Oh, our, my humanity is screaming, God betrayed you, God betrayed you, God betrayed you. When my heart and what I know of God and who he is right. knows the truth about him, that yes. he is a good God, that he wants good things for us, that he works all things for our good. Like all of those things. I know all those things, but my humanity doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't align. It's like, yeah, right now they're just not in sync. When I read something um, the other day in Exodus that talked about, it was a conversation between Moses and Pharaoh, I think, and the Lord was talking about, like, I've risen you to this point for a purpose, and I have to cling to, like, in those times where I'm like, the Lord has me in this place specifically for a purpose. Mm -hmm. It's not for vain. Mm -hmm. Again, for his glory. But I'm, if I get caught up in my humanity, I'm going to miss his purpose. Because mm -hmm. he's going to do it with or without me. Mm -hmm. But he's inviting me into it. Mm -hmm. And so if I get all caught up in my betrayal feelings or what I think should happen and when it should happen, I miss the purpose. Mm -hmm. And then there, there's also a, like, there's an honor that not everybody can handle. There are some women, and I may be, you know, there may be somebody on here right now that feels that they're in that pit. Like, they feel like they're about to break. Mm -hmm. You haven't broke. Like, you're still, even though you feel a little um, forgotten, you're still wanting community. You're still mm -hmm. desiring it. You haven't given up hope. You're not, you're not depressed. You're not, you know, rocking in a corner. I mean, there's... I've, I have done that. Yeah, it feels good. I'm just, I've done that before. That's what I was just saying. It's like, I've been there. I like, locked myself in a dark bathroom. You know? My favorite thing is hiding under the covers. Oh, like, yeah. Just totally disappear. And like, I'm just going to avoid this. And Doesn't, it's not real. Feel my feels. Yeah. Which, okay, so talking about feeling the feels. So that's where the, the creative part about the four. So, um, Every number of the Enneagram has a subtype, um, and so yours is called the sexual subtype. It's not sexual, guys, like sex. Like, <laughs> no, it's just it's the feels, it's the it's the yeah. sensuality, and and so the fact that you were able to be a seven and what we know about a seven and and have all this, the same motivations, you're also able to be an optimistic dreamer, mm -hmm. and you're able to tap into your feelings and do something with that sensuality. Mm -hmm. um, Fours are a completely different ball game than sevens, but um, and this is not an Enneagram podcast. But <laughs> but that's why I think it's so important for us to know ourselves, mm -hmm. so that we don't get lost in somebody else's identity. You know, we know our own identity yeah. and we're confident in that, and we walk that out, and that we know that God does have a purpose for us. Mm -hmm. And self awareness and self identity, I think, is just the very bottom layer. And I was watching a a webinar. It was a Michael Hyatt thing yesterday with Ian Cron, and they were saying that the number one predictor of success is not some tangible thing that you can learn in a university. It's actually a soft skill. It's self-awareness. Mm -hmm. That the number one predictor of success is self-awareness, and you have that. And I would say that that's why you are so successful in business and life, despite the fact that it's not been easy. It's not been this perfect rainbow road, mm -hmm. but you're still a success story. Thank you. I mean, I believe it. I mean, I really do. I'm not just like, sign up, you know. Um, and the more for me that that I see you using your influence and your voice, the more fired up that I get to join your vision. And I have a greater desire now to pray for the foster system because of you. And you bring attention to the the shadows that lurk in politics. I mean, all the time I'm liking your post. I'm like, yes, girl, <laughs> yes to that, you know. And you're just, you're so much more than just the gorgeous art and breathtaking images. And, and you're not scared to say the unsaid. 
in order to manifest change. Not everybody has that gift. So I just want to say thank you for being brave and thank you for sharing your gifts of beauty with the world. And more than anything today, thank you for being vulnerable enough to share about how you truly feel and where you are in your faith. Because I think there's a lot of women out there, if not in that exact situation, they've got a different version maybe where they feel betrayed and they don't feel comfortable or validated in mm-hmm. saying, and that's so I think by other strong women, you still love Jesus. You still love God. You're still like, your salvation is not lost. You're just being true and real. Mm-hmm. And and that's where growth happens. You, if you're just going around faking it and fake it till you make it, like that's, no. <laughs> you know, and... Just thank you for, because, um, well, how can we find you? Let's just do that because I was considered, I was about to say that, but like there's so much good that you share that's not just photography. So how can we find you online and on social media and stuff so people can know the goodness that I know? Oh, thank you. Um, you can find me at Beth Morgan Photography on Instagram or I'm working on a complete rebrand. So my website is down, but it, will be coming live very soon mm-hmm. and that will be bethmorganphotography.com um and i do a lot of different things i'm also an artist mm-hmm. um i have an art instagram but i don't know what it is right now because it's super new but it's all linked on beth it's morgan all, yeah it's all linked on yeah, there yeah. so if you find me on beth morgan photography you can find all my other easy things that are that I have my little hands in. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, you've got to follow her. I'm serious. For all things inspirational, encouragement, but tangible. It's not just, like, fluffy, like, girl, you can do this. No, it's, like, legit, actionable, <laughs> hold my hand, let's do this together, girl, kind of stuff. <laughs> well, thank you. If I am pretty real and raw, and some people don't like that. That's not for everybody, but it's, it's, for me. it's how God made me. And, you know, if I'm feeling it, I'm okay sharing it. So... And if you're struggling with infertility and you need somebody to talk to, seriously, you can DM me and, you know, it's hard and I understand and we can all use encouragement in that area. So, or if you're having a hard time with the foster care system, I mean, it's You know the rules and reps there too. Yeah. If you are fostering right now, it is hard. It is, it is a noble, one of the most noble, thankless things that you can do. And there's so many children who need amazing people to love them and to give them a voice and to just give them a safe place to land. So thank you for fostering. Mm, So good. Well, y'all know how we sign out. Until next time, keep the honey flowing.